Welcome to another episode with the Market Dominance Guys, a program about the innovators, idealists, and the entrepreneurs who thrive and die in the high-stakes world of building a startup company. We explore in the cookbooks, guidebooks, and magic beans needed to grow your business. Dominance guys, Chris continues his two-part conversation with his fiance Helen Fanucci, Microsoft Strategic Accounts Global Sales Leader. Today, they're talking about how work-from-home experiences have resulted in a shift in employees' attitudes about where and when they are willing to work. This is Helen's area of expertise. She's been managing employees remotely for 15 years, helping them grapple with their work-from-home issues. Additionally, she understands the challenges of attracting and retaining the best people especially in today's job market. Microsoft's customers demand great service and support, and Helen says, that's why we have to win the war to get the talent. That's why we have to win the war to get talent. We have to keep serving our customers with amazing talent, or they'll find somebody else who will. And once you've hired talented people, how do you keep them? Through servant leadership, Helen explains. Describing her role as a manager at Microsoft, she says, I am expected to model and coach be inclusive, take accountability. I remove the blocks and barriers so that my team can achieve. Chris plays devil's advocate with his question. If you're all touchy-feely with your employees, where does their drive to achieve come from? Helen is ready with the answer. When we hire the best people, she explains, they come with an inborn drive to achieve. Part of a manager's job is to make sure those people feel respected. She says at Microsoft, we really bend over backwards to be accommodating and help employees be successful, but make no but make no mistake about it, she assures Chris. We're about being competitive and winning in the marketplace, and our results show that. Learn all about hiring and retaining the best people on this Market Dominance Guys episode, a talent for managing talent. <laughs> One of the things I hear you saying is that we need companies to kind of give us places to go, but there aren't places anymore that give us some boundary within which we can organize and work together and be a team. This does actually remind me of the the first 88 episodes or whatever of market dominance guys, which are about, hey, your company's job is to dominate markets, which provides a a stable foundation for doing more. For servicing those customers. And maybe that's one of the things that we do as companies. Your company has done an extraordinary job, although I'm sure that there is nobody there who likes to talk about dominating markets because when you're big and you don't need to talk about it, why talk about it, right? But the fact of the matter is there are markets where Microsoft does extraordinarily well. And in a way, that's what makes the home. That's the house in which employees can come. But then we better make sure that they have a good time while they're there, but it's not enough to have a good time. It's, it's, it's a, a bigger deal. This is like the hardest part to me. Sales management traditionally, I'll, I'll be crude, used to consist of throwing somebody into a territory and seeing if they worked out. So that was kind of it. And if they didn't work out, then you put somebody else in the territory. I mean, I know there's a lot more to sales management, but traditionally, I think that a lot of what folks call sales management has really been 
checking to see if people are working out. And then, yes, there are improvement programs and all sorts of stuff, and there's training and this and that, all sorts of wonderful things. But that's been kind of the theory over time. I've observed how you manage, and you actually get ultra high performance from individuals and from the team as a result. And yet doing it with these principles, these cultural principles, like things that that people would say, oh, that's a bunch of touchy-feely. Aren't your employees just going to hang out? Aren't they just going to go for long barefoot runs down to the beach? Why is it they bother to work at all and and do anything useful if you're just going to make it so delightful and easy for them and you're just trying to attract them? So how do you achieve that balance? Because that seems to be the key to this whole thing. And I bet a lot of our listeners are going, yeah, okay, great. Attract, 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 retain, retain, retain. But what about achieve, achieve, achieve? How do we get all that to go together? Have high expectations of achievement, but do it in a kind way and do it in a way that helps the employees learn and grow. So first and foremost, I check in with my team and I have one-on-ones with them or team meetings. How are folks doing? But I have very high expectations and there are specific goals and objectives, including revenue performance. I do monthly forecast calls. I deliver revenue. I have quarterly revenue goals. I'm no different than any other sales leader, sales manager. However, at the same time, I am expected through our cultural expectations to model, coach, and care my team. That's part of the expectation of a manager. So in some cases, I'm modeling for my team what it means to be inclusive, take accountability. I view my job as removing the blockers and barriers for my team to achieve. And so For example, when my team is presenting in an important customer meeting, or it might be an internal meeting where we're actually going to the board of directors, if you will, not literally the board of Microsoft, but the discount review board, shall we say, to get a request for special pricing for a customer. My seller has been prepping for that, reviewing it with me ahead of time, getting feedback also with a broader team. And so is on the hot seat delivering and presenting and answering questions. What I do is I listen. I And sometimes I'll chime in if there's something that I can add value on. But I'm in the background taking notes for them so that they don't have to think about what the actions are or what the conversation was. I'm basically being their admin, if you will, or their note taker while they're on the hot seat. And then I send them the notes and we'll do a debrief of the call. So I do have at times performance related challenges with folks on my team. And I think it's really important to be super specific because it's not an all or nothing thing. I have team members that are seasoned and excellent at what they do, but they're not excellent at everything all the time. So there can be slices of things that require coaching or as we change role expectations, because we evolve to meet up with the demands of our business so that we can maintain our competitiveness, or as you say, dominate a market. Although I am sensitive to the term dominant because I have been at Microsoft during the consent decree period. And while we're past that, it's not a term that we use. So 
but I coach my team and I will do it in specific ways. So for example, please, next time we meet, can you review with me your strategy related to data for your customer so that we can talk about how are we going to really help the customer with their data backbone. Review for me your strategy related to executive engagement so that we can get higher in the organization or more with the business leaders. Or it might be a conversation of, hey, I'm getting feedback that you are not listening very well in your team calls and we need to really work on kind of cultural expectations. So there's things like that, but it's not a people are either making it or not making it. It's usually more nuanced. And at some point, either the employee or myself will go, hey, I don't think this is working out. Let's find another role for you that would be a better fit. And that may be another role within Microsoft. It might be helping the employee to leave Microsoft. And so I absolutely am all about performing. And in fact, we just must. It just comes, it's the anti table stakes. It's the table stakes to make quota, to keep pipelines up to date, to do forecast. And it's complex. And if an employee misses their sales target for a year or two years, we've got to look at what are they contributing? Are they doing the right things? Do they have the right impact? And at a company as large as Microsoft, sometimes we get quotas wrong. Sometimes people's quotas have a baseline in it that doesn't make sense because the customer divested a big part of our business. So we've got to look at the bigger picture. It's not just a binary yes or no. It's just, um, we've got to look at a bigger picture and it's more nuanced. And so when I interact with my team as a manager, I try to be nuanced in what and helpful to them so that they can excel and succeed, not only in the job today, but in their career at Microsoft and um, help them build skills and abilities so that they can achieve what success looks like on their terms. I think that's what's fascinating. You told me a story about somebody a little while ago at a company that I think we should not name. And this person ultimately as the source of their dissatisfaction that caused them to go and become today an entrepreneur, went through a couple of changes along the way, but they left that company as super talent, not just kind of good talent, but I always talk about the top 20%, somebody way, way above the top 20%. And the way the company failed to be attractive was they basically said, look, you're kind of here in this job because we need a person like you in this job because we're getting some credit for that. And this individual, um, she said, I want to go do something valuable. And then they said, well, but if you go do something valuable for some other part of the organization, we don't get credit. So you have to stay here and do nothing. And I think a lot of people think, oh, that'd be fine. I'm going to hang out. I'm going to be on a weird ass vacation, right? Where I'm just hanging. And yet, maybe part of the secret of your opening up here is, hey, when we hire the best people, they come with an inborn drive to achieve. And as you said, if we can get the blockers out of the way, reduce the friction, 
and also make sure that they feel respected along the way. That's another thing that I've seen. It's like that switch that when you flip the disrespect, the switch once with an employee, you're pretty much toast. Coming back from that, where they feel like they aren't respected, or it might have been actual disrespect, it may have just been neglect or whatever, that's a tough one to recover from. And I think, again, it's like, it's actually almost a form of disrespect to say, I don't expect you to perform because people expect themselves to perform and they want to be challenged. You don't have to elaborate on that story, but I was really impressed with it. It was like, wow, because I know a lot of people say, hey, if you go all touchy-feely and it's all about being nice to people and empathetic and all this stuff, where is that drive to perform? Where's the drive to achieve? And I think that it comes out of the selection of people who have a drive to achieve and kind of nothing else except giving them the opportunity. Yeah, well, delivering results is one of our values. We have three leadership principles. Deliver results is one of them. And so that's absolutely key. You've got to hire for that. Create clarity and generate energy are the three leadership principles. But for sure, we hire people that have a big motor and want to get things done. And sometimes the latitude that we have to make changes isn't fast enough for that employee. So in that example, yes, the person was unhappy because they were basically being used by upper management to help achieve some goals or metrics upper management had, but without having a job that was satisfying to them because things got changed in the organization. So they left. I've recently had a situation where I had to have a employee with a big motor, big drive to succeed. And through some circumstances, she ended up moving into another team because we couldn't adapt quickly enough to keep her on my team and open up another role that would be a stronger fit for her. And so this is where kind of the larger company situation and the lack of agility that comes into play sometimes can hurt, I think. So then people leave. And so that happens. But in the balance, I think we really, really try to bend over backwards to be accommodating and help employees be successful. But make no mistake about it, we're about being competitive and winning in the marketplace. And our results show that if you look at the growth of our business and the Microsoft US president just announced that she was leaving Microsoft. And in her four years at Microsoft, she almost doubled our revenue and business in Microsoft US. And that was on a huge base of business. And so, yeah, we're about winning and being competitive and valuable to our customers. And I think our leadership has done a great job. We're not perfect, but it's a way better place to work now than it was 10 years ago. We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Connect and Sell, welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Give your fingers a rest with Connect and Sell's patented technology. You'll load your best sales folks up with eight to 10 times more live qualified conversations every single day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing how many tears were shed while watching Titanic kind of qualified. (music) 
And we're back with what's, Corey and Chris. Fascinating. And that is going to be the foundation for Microsoft's competitiveness going forward, right? Is you, it's a much better place to work. So you get great talent and great talent is what your customers demand. If you just kind of think of it that way, the company can create the marketplace at some point, right? There it is. We're dominating this market. We're important in this market. We have these customers, but the customers demand in a way that they can't really say, they can't come out and say, we demand you give us the best talent, but directly and indirectly, they're demanding that and they'll walk. Customers will walk if you don't provide them with the people to interact with that they feel like are people that are worthy of their importance as a customer, so to speak. And, and I think to us, that's a really big deal. As you know, we've won this award from the American Association of Inside Sales Professionals that connect and sell seven years in a row. And what are those customers saying? They're saying, your people are people we really get a lot of value out of interacting with. That's actually what they're saying. It's called Service Provider of the Year Award. I think our customers vote every day about our people, maybe more than our products. And I think that's really interesting as a grounds for these two competitive forces come together. If we don't compete with everybody for the people and then give them that latitude to be great within a structure that allows it to work for the customers, then the customers are going to go, well, I'll go to somebody who does compete and gets better people. Yeah, you've got to have, it starts with great people. No doubt about it. It starts with great people. And that's why you've got to win the war on talent and be the destination organization or the destination manager that the talent wants to work for. You're exactly right. Every customer is grappling with technology and every customer must be a digital company and transform and monetize their data. And they're looking for Microsoft and our partners, because we have a big partner ecosystem we work with, but they're looking for us to really guide them and help them along the way. And actually, we do have customers that call up Satya or send him an email and say, I need your A-team on this. So that just happened a few months ago. One of my customers did that and they were kind of in a tight spot and we were stepping up to help them. And they sent Satya an email and said, I need your A-team. I need your best people on this. And he assured him that we were doing that and we rose to the occasion. And so that is an expectation of our customers. And we've got to keep serving our customers and serving them with amazing talent, or they'll find somebody else who will. Yeah, it seems like there's a virtuous cycle that has always been there, but one element has flipped, which is the locus of competition has moved. We can't assume that the employees that we have or the employees in our local area or candidates are just going to come on board because we're the only game in town. And that's an easy thing to do. Maybe that's what Apple is doing by saying the employees have all got to come to the campus as they're saying, we're the only game in town. But I suspect one in town doesn't really mean very much anymore. There's talent all over the place. And two, only game, mm, not quite so sure anybody's ever the only game, right? These things come and go. I'd make this contention. I don't know if you agree with me or not. But if you're looking to invest in companies and everybody's looking to, to get a return on their money that exceeds the, certainly the pathetically low interest rates out there, but exceeds the market as a whole, is this a dimension along which the 
analysts who are going to look at companies and advise us to invest or not invest in this company versus that, that they should be looking at. Because I've never heard an analyst, a stock market analyst say, you know what, that Microsoft over there, they have got the handle on this cultural issue and this way of looking at things where their flexibility and their commitment to culture and their willingness and ability to train on empathy and do all these these things you're talking about, that is going to take them from whatever it is, their stock price of you know whatever number it is today, to 2x, 3x, 4x, that in the future. So don't you worry because they're competing with folks who frankly don't get this war on talent. And so ding, 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 we have a winner over here, put your money here. Do you think that's going to become something that the analysts from the whatever they are, the Morgan Stanleys of the world and so forth, are going to start talking about? It's a really good question. In some ways, I think Microsoft stock is reflective of our culture. And the reason I say that is because Satya made it a top priority when he took over to address culture. You can't transform. You can't have, have digital transformation without cultural transformation. The data is really clear on that. I used to do a keynote on that topic and it just doesn't work. And so our ability to change as a company, which has been credited to Satya and the great work he's done, the underpinnings of that are our cultural transformation. So while it may not be deliberately noted by analysts, I think it is baked into our stock price because we've been able to achieve those results. Those results are only possible by our cultural transformation. And Microsoft's mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. And Satya consistently says, we can't achieve our mission without addressing our culture and having a great culture. It is our culture that achieves our mission and achieves the return on investment and it achieves the stock price. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. I know that there's an apocryphal or maybe true Chinese curse that says, may you live in interesting times. And that's supposed to mean you you don't want interesting times. You just want everything to kind of go along so you can go along with everything that's going along, right? I have a feeling you really like interesting times, that this is energizing for you, that this big change is going to be what carries you forward in your career and gives you things to focus on that that are going to be fun and productive for you and for other people. Are you feeling that? Are you feeling, you you talk about energy and how energy is, bringing energy is part of the game. Is this craziness, which some people feel like is depressing and some people feel like is scary, too complex, makes them want to retire tomorrow, get out of the world of helping companies and helping people do things. You don't seem to have that response to it. It seems to me like you like going toward this sort of thing and grappling with it. Oh, yeah, I love it. I'm like, game on. Let's figure this out. I'm really excited about the opportunities and what the future brings. So I've been managing employees remotely for over 15 years, and I'm really comfortable with it. I'm good at it, and I think I have a lot to offer. And I also help colleagues grapple with issues, particularly as it pertains to remote work or managing remote employees. And I think it's super interesting 
and I love it and I love what I do. And I think we're just at the start of this and I'm really excited about uh, what the future holds. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, Helen, thank you so much. Finally, an issue of market dominance, guys, that doesn't go on and on and on about winning sales. I know you know how to win sales. You win deals all the time. You beat your numbers. You do all that kind of stuff. But I feel that this is a pretty special episode or two. I don't know what this will become. I'm sorry, Corey wasn't here. Corey, dude, whatever it is that you're doing, wherever it is you're doing it, I know you're going to pronounce people's names correctly. So that's fantastic. But Helen's here with us today. Helen Finucci, thank you so much for being on Market Dominance, guys. We could not be more blessed. Thank you, Chris. I am so delighted to be invited. And I, I'm just glad that you got around to inviting me. I thought, the, uh, I don't know. I, thought, I wasn't sure what I needed to do to earn an invitation. So thank you for being so astute and inviting me. All right. <laughs> lucky me. Today's show is also brought to you by UncommonPro.com. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer or investor is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's really time to go big, you need an uncommon methodology to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. Through a modern and innovative sales and scripting tool set, we offer a guiding hand to ambitious leaders in their quest to reach market dominance. It's time to get uncommon with UncommonPro.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe. Subscribe.